Well, as I said uh, a moment ago, uh, I want to thank you all for your prayers and your support and uh, all the kind words and the phone calls and messages and uh, food, all the good things that our people have done for us this, these past few weeks. Uh, it's been a struggle, and uh, I was to the point where I was very, very sick, almost ready to go to the emergency room. Thought it was probably time to go, and then I got a little bit of relief. And so I'm grateful for the fact that I did not have to do that. I'm thankful that I got my vaccine, and I'm not speaking politically. I'm speaking matter-of-factly, okay? I'm glad I got my vaccine because I really believe that if I hadn't, I probably uh, would be on a respirator right now. There's a good chance of that. Uh, I was that sick at home. Uh, Shelly is continuing to recover and doing much better. Uh, just a matter of getting all that gunk and junk out of her system and uh, getting her strength back. We're both very, very tired. The kids, of course, you know, they're at 1,000%. They're doing great. And so uh, thank you again for all your prayers and support. Uh, it would have been much more difficult to get through this if it hadn't been for the encouragement and uh, the good deeds and the good words that you all uh, shared with us. Today we talk about love. Several years ago there was uh, a special that the Muppets and CeeLo Green did, and during that TV special they made a Christmas video called All I Need Is Love. Now the video was full of action and it was funny of course being the Muppets and all the favorites showed up, Kermit and Fozzie, Miss Piggy, Gonzo, all the chickens, you know, everybody was there. And they sang about the, all the Christmas presents that they could get, all the fancy toys and all the coolest technology. But really, the song captures the, the real message of Christmas, I think, because the Muppets didn't want all that stuff. They wanted for Christmas only one thing, and that was love. I'm sure that the writers, when they uh, wrote this song, never set out to make any great theological statements or any religious remarks with this song, but they were right when they wrote that all we need truly is love. I'm sure that today as we celebrate this second Sunday of Advent, and you'll notice that the order has moved around a little bit this year, peace, love, hope, joy, I did that for a reason. I saved peace for last because I believe that peace is something that we're lacking more than anything right now in this world and in this country. So we're going to save that for the last final week. But when Jesus came into the world, he came as a baby. He was the human embodiment of, of the gift of God's love. He came as God incarnate. What does that big word mean? Well, it means he came to love us in a human form. He came as one of us, a human being. If you missed last week, or if Advent is unfamiliar to you, let me briefly explain to you our journey toward Christmas. The word Advent means coming or arrival. It's a season of expectation, a season of waiting, a season of anticipating even a season of longing 
waiting for Christmas. Advent is just not an extension of Christmas. It's a season that links the past, the present, and the future all together. Advent offers us the opportunity to share in the longing for the coming of the Messiah that they must have felt so many years ago, to celebrate his birth like some of them did, and then to be ready for his coming again to set up his kingdom here on earth. Advent looks back and it celebrates the hope that was met when Jesus came and was born. And it also looks forward to hopeful anticipation of that time when his kingdom returns to earth. During Advent, we wait for both. It's an active, assured, hopeful waiting. And each week we focus on a different trait of God, as I said to the kids just a moment ago, hope, love, joy, and peace. I started by talking about a love song. Now let's talk about a love story. Our culture is full of love songs and love stories. Not just our present culture, but really throughout the entire history of humanity. Can you imagine the power that you would have if you could harness all the creative energy that's gone into writing love stories and love songs throughout history. If you start with the songs and the movies and the stories we know in our time and start scrolling back in time, we know that you would, as you go through novels and poems and plays, that the list would go on and on and on. So many wonderful love stories. It seems that throughout human history, us humans have been inspired and moved and intrigued and motivated by love and trying to understand it. Maybe that says something about us. Maybe there's a reflection there of our beginnings and our creator and what we really long for deep down inside. God's love is built into us, is built into our very creation and our existence and our being. But have you ever thought about the story of Mary and Joseph as a love story? I mean, sure, you know the Christmas story. You've probably heard it many, many times. But think about it. Mary and Joseph, a love story. Really? Yeah, absolutely. Imagine. Go back in time with me. Place yourself in the ancient, dusty days of Israel. They were under the Roman Empire. And in a small village called Nazareth, there lives a carpenter whose name is Joseph. He has noble ancestry. He's distantly related to King David himself. But Joseph doesn't live a noble life. He lives a humble life. He works with his hands. He probably learned to build things from his father, who was probably a carpenter before him. Some scholars think that Joseph grew up in Bethlehem but at some point moved to Nazareth. Maybe so he could build his own carpentry business there. Maybe he had relatives there. Maybe the town needed a new carpenter, a good carpenter. We don't know for sure, but we can speculate that Joseph had probably been working long enough to establish himself as an honorable and fair 
and hardworking man. That would have made him an eligible bachelor in those days. Probably around 20 or 25 years old who was ready to marry and start his own family. The younger girls of the village, or more likely their fathers, would have noticed Joseph. You have to remember that the Jewish marriage customs of that day were quite different from the way they are today. They followed clearly defined legal guidelines and took place in three stages. First, there was the contract that was signed. Then there was the consummation of the marriage. And then there was the celebration. First, Mary's father would have gone to Joseph to propose marriage and to arrange the marriage. A cash price, like a dowry, would be set that Joseph would pay to Mary's family. Maybe along with some gifts and a contract would be signed. And at that point, Joseph and Mary would be considered to be married 100%. It was legal now. The paperwork was signed. He was her husband. She was his wife. Then they would get to know each other. More like the dating stage that we're used to. Mary would still live with her family. And then at some point in the future, maybe a year, maybe a little more, Joseph would lead a procession of his friends to Mary's house where she would be waiting with a group of her friends. And then while everybody waited in the house, the couple would consummate their marriage. Then everybody would get together and have a marriage feast to celebrate. Now that's just a little bit different than what we're used to, isn't it? And it probably sounds pretty awkward to most of us. It sure does to me. You're probably also thinking, not very romantic. Yeah. Maybe it was. Maybe just because the culture and the traditions of that day looked different, that doesn't necessarily mean that there wasn't love between them. Maybe even a little romance. Who knows? Here's your imagination with me. The Bible doesn't fill in all these details. But maybe Mary and Joseph's story went a little like this. Mary was younger than Joseph. She was probably a young teenager. In that day, that was marrying age for a woman. And her life's path would have depended greatly on her marriage and on her family life. So she would have known who Joseph was. Still young, rugged, strong. From the little bits we're told about Joseph and about how he responded when the angel spoke to him and so forth. We think that Joseph must have been an even-tempered, confident, and kind man. Maybe Mary even hinted, hey, Dad, you know Joseph the carpenter? Maybe Mary's mother said, hey, that Joseph is a good man. He's kind, he's honorable. He'd make a good husband for our Mary, wouldn't he? For his part, Joseph would have known the young girls of the village. Their fathers were his customers. So he would have built things for them, furniture, yokes for the ox, plows, shovels, wheels for their carts, all sorts of other things. 
And he would listen as he talked with these men about their families. And he knew who was kind and fair in business and in family and in social life in town. He knew everybody. And just maybe there were some local girls or families with their eye on Joseph as marriage material. Human hearts and emotions have always been the same, no matter how formal or how different the customs and the ways of the people were. Maybe Joseph said to his friends, have you seen Mary? She's a beauty. Mary might have said to his sister, to her sister, I saw Joseph laughing with the little children who were watching him outside his workshop. He's so handsome and so nice. And eventually, arrangements were made, and this young couple were married. Their future was uncertain. Like everyone else, they could have no way of knowing what they would face together in the journey we call marriage. But excitement must have filled them as the papers were signed, and nervousness must have followed. What are we getting into? Who exactly is this person I'll spend the rest of my life with? Those of us who are married or have been married can relate to that. Joseph probably made some small gifts for his new wife, maybe a small box with a metal clasp where she could keep her little things that were near to her heart and important to her. Mary might have liked to go to the shop and watch Joseph work, creating things where they could laugh and talk and share moments together. She might have made him a little meal here and there, baked and brought him breads or cakes that she knew were his favorites. And he would join Mary's family for meals and celebrations, I'm sure, and religious festivals, sharing life with her and her family as well as his. And with each day that passed, this young couple learned more about each other, what made each other laugh, how they handled challenges and hard days, the strengths of their personalities, the imperfections, their hopes and fears and dreams for the future, how many children they hoped to have one day, what kind of home Joseph would build for them, how they longed for the day to come when the time was right for them to consummate their marriage and be together all the time. Each day of the past, Mary and Joseph chose love, and their love continued to grow, I'm sure. So imagine the emotional bombshell that went off when Joseph heard this news. This news. How could you, Mary? How could you do this to me? I thought you loved me like I love you. We're doing this the right way, honoring God, honoring our families and each other. And now, this. If you've ever been cheated on, then you know how devastating it is. The pain is deep. It feels physical, like your chest has literally been ripped open. This was the broken trust that I'm sure Mary, or Joseph must have felt when Mary came and told him. She said, Joseph, I know this sounds crazy, but an angel visited me and told me I'm going to have a baby. And the angel said his name will be Jesus, and he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. He's the Messiah, Joseph. You have to believe me. 
It's a miracle, but it's true because, because I'm pregnant. Maybe he tried to listen to the first part. An angel, a miracle, the Messiah. But he must have felt the weight of that word, pregnant. Everybody knows there's only one way to get pregnant. And Joseph knew that he had not been involved. Everybody in town who knew him would know that he had not been involved unless he dishonored Mary and his family and her family and all that he held to be true. And if he had, then he too would be a disgrace to their town and to their society. And it was too much for Joseph. It was just too much. Maybe he walked away in silence, broken and speechless. Maybe he shouted and stormed off and had nothing more to say to her. Maybe he sent Mary away in tears. But we do know that things didn't go smoothly. And maybe this was the part, was part of the reason why Mary went to spend three months with her Aunt Elizabeth away from the village. It would buy time for Mary's family to figure out what to do next. How would people ever believe this story from Mary? Could they even believe it? Maybe it would give Joseph some time to accept it. So they parted with pain and anger and distrust, I'm sure, swirling around in both of them. And young Mary was hanging on to the encouraging words of what that angel had said to her. She knew deep in her soul that for whatever reason, no matter how crazy it sounded and how miraculous it was, that God's very own son was within her. Somehow, she knew and she believed and she trusted that God would make a way. Isn't that the kind of drama that threatens to destroy any good love story? Now, the exact circumstances are different from what you or I would, would or could ever face, but the feelings and emotions and challenges are really no different at the core. Mary and Joseph's is a true human love story, but it is also a supernatural love story that involves you and me and every human who has ever walked or will ever walk this earth. Now you know how the story turns out. You know that Joseph is visited by an angel too, and he comes to understand what's going on, and he's very faithful to God throughout the whole process and is a good father and does well and does what God has asked of him. Love. That old song that the kids sing for us every once in a while, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. That is the Christmas story in a nutshell. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves me. God loves us. Many people don't know that. Why? Because they haven't been told. Many people feel unloved, unforgiven at Christmas time. That's sad. Let's, let us do our part to let that love be known this Advent season, 
this Christmas and beyond. Amen.